such a great number of your saints to this congregation and to this conference this week. We have been blessed by you being here all the way from the opening night till this last night. And tonight is no exception about the power and the move of God. I feel the presence of the Lord in this place tonight. How about we just lift our hands together as we accept the man of God to this pulpit. Let's open our hearts as we accept the man of God and we receive what is about to come. In Jesus' name, why don't you open your heart to the Lord right now and let's pray that God would let His perfect will be done as this service continued. In Jesus' name, God bless you, Brother White. Let the praise of the Lord be glorious in this house. Would you lift your hands one more time? Lift your hands and lift your hearts and love Him one more time. In Jesus' name. I'm not going to take a long time to get into my message tonight. I just, there's some things that I have to do tonight and I want to tell you how much I have enjoyed being at Mile High Conference 2004. And uh, he's been good to us, Brother Heyman. He's been so good to us. And uh, I have been blessed this year to be able to be here every night. That's very unusual for me. Uh, but the Lord was very kind to me in allowing me to be here. Not only myself, but a beautiful delegation from my church. If everybody loved their people the way I love my people, and if everybody loved their pastor the way them people love me, just wouldn't be no problems in churches. So... But I, I want to say today how thankful I am for each speaker, each singer, each musician. Oh, the preaching we've heard around here. I love to hear Timothy Spell sing. I love it. But folks, if the man never sings another song, if he just keep preaching like he preached, when he preached to us the other day, and then Brother Ryle, and, and, and I, I'm sorry for stepping into the naming of names but there have been so many things said trust me I've heard everything that's been said I haven't missed any services except when I had to go pick up my son his wife from the airport and uh, I, I listened real carefully because you all have pretty much destroyed my message and uh, let, let me go on I, I want to thank also the Host Pastor, Brother Don Heyman, there is no kinder man on the face of the earth than Pastor Heyman and his wife. There are none. 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 And uh, I love Bishop Heyman and his wife. I've never seen her not smile. I'm sure she probably doesn't at some time, but I've never seen her not smile. So I don't know if she had surgery just to... Bishop might have seen her not smile, I, I suspect. Uh, but I, I want to thank Pastors Heyman, Bishop Heyman, and just in case nobody ever tells this church, on behalf of the speakers, the guests, the visitors, I want to thank this church for being exactly what you are. up tonight and I'm just going to be honest with you the Lord has dealt with me very forcibly for over two months about this service what I will preach to you tonight will not be profound
won't be. It, it won't even be on the tone that you've heard me preach before, perhaps. But suffice it to say, the consolation that I find tonight is that my ministry has already been proven in this church. I have nothing to prove to anybody. I love souls, I love this message, and I love you. Some time ago, I was preaching, and on the way back, I had to drive through Waco. I'm going to tell you how I really feel now, Bishop. I had to drive through Waco on the way back, and I'd heard about the Waco in Waco. And I'd heard about Koresh and the whole situation, so I thought Waco just not that big. I ought to be able to find that. So I turned off on a country road, had a little while before I had to be home. Had my, I think my, my oldest son was with me that day and a couple other young men from the church. And I started driving just country roads thinking, because I, I knew the place burnt, and, but I, I, just, I just wanted to see for myself something that was like that. And finally, I fell in behind a Cadillac. I saw a Cadillac, and it was getting with it. So I was just driving my old truck down the road, and I'm getting with it. <clears throat> and uh, they turned, and I thought, well, there's got to be something out this way. I don't see nothing else. So I turned, and they turned down a dirt road, and I turned down a dirt road, and I wasn't chasing them. They must have thought I was. And I didn't even recognize it. <laughs> and when I went down this dirt road, and I saw an orange stake sticking up out the ground, and all of a sudden, people start coming out of the woodwork with uh, rifles aimed at my head. <laughs> and I stopped about, oh, I don't know, from here to that chair away from an orange pole sticking up. And I was just wanting to see the Branch Davidian. I found it. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this skanky-looking white woman came out. I don't know if y'all know what skanky is. She just... Skanky is... The definition of skanky is one who skanks. And I mean, she's got a rifle. There's others sitting around with rifles aimed at my cranial cavity. And she stopped me. She said, Sir, what do you want here? And I didn't know what to say. It's kind of hard to think when you got rifles pointed at you. And I, I was saying, uh, and she said, do you see that pole right there? She said, that's where our Messiah died. David Koresh died there, and that's the cornerstone of the temple we're going to build. I just kind of nodded. I mean, I wanted to see the Davidian. I just didn't want to dance on his grave. <laughs> and she said, sir... Do you know where you are? And the only thing, honest to God, the only thing that would go through my mind is I'm at the right place. I'm just in the wrong spot. And that's exactly how I feel in this meeting tonight. I'm at the right place. I'm just at the wrong spot behind this pulpit tonight. Because there's so many others that could do it. My spot would be better served out there to hear another preacher. And God knows from the bottom of my heart I, I could sit there and hear another preacher tonight. But again, I've made full proof of my ministry and this church understands I'm not defeated, I'm not bitter, and I'm not angry. But in some ways tonight, I'll confess to you that after 25 years of full-time ministry, I am a weary warrior tonight. After having preached over 4,000 times, I am a weary warrior tonight. 
God spoke to me some time ago and to all of our precious visitors around the building. Thank you for coming. I was so worried tonight because of what God told me to say that that somebody would think that I'm something I've tried so hard to never be. So to all of our visitors, if I say things tonight that seems a little abrasive, I prayed about that and I said, God, it's going to sound different. And the Lord spoke to me and He said, the mechanic always sounds different than the salesman. And so tonight I'm not coming to be a salesman. For this season, these few minutes, the Lord has chosen me to be a mechanic tonight. And I will read from the word of the Lord pertaining to the book of Philippians chapter number 2 and verse number 13. Brother Story, Brother Rao, Brother Ballestero, Dr. Shill, all of our speakers all over the building, those that I've missed, thank you so much. We'll talk from Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 13, then I'll go to Proverbs 10 for one verse and verse 29. Bible said in Philippians 2.13, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Notice that God differentiates His desire and His ability to fulfill it. He said it's, his, it's, it's, his, it's God that worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And then in the book of Proverbs chapter 10 verse 29, it says, The way of the Lord is strength to the upright. I will not be profound, but God help me be anointed tonight. I will preach from this subject. The will is lost, but the way I know. The will is lost, but the way I know. Would you please lift your hands and pray for Brother White tonight? you you may be seated the will is lost but the way I know thank you brother spell so much tonight I quickly take you into the arena of our opening text and herein we have Paul writing to the church at Philippi commending them for their attempts to sincerely seek the face of God and as we step into the second chapter we hear Paul further commend them for their walk with God by telling them one of the things that has made you such a good church is is that you've always been open and obedient to the ministry aren't you glad that the Hamans have allowed us to come in here and preach with an open heart and an open Bible what we feel like God wants us to say and, and I'm telling you that's what makes good churches when people can hear with an open obedient heart but now Paul said the thing that's made you such a good church is that you, you've always been open and obedient to the ministry and now uh, you're obedient even when I'm not present with you and it's here that Paul tells them in effect to continue with an obedient spirit to seek the mind of God in their world when he said to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now 
I think it goes without saying tonight. We understand that. Uh, I think we're all mature enough to understand that Paul was not saying, as so many religious groups do, to make up your own salvation. He was saying to, in context to work out your own salvation with the same fear and the same trembling that, that you've used up to this point. You need to utilize that same fear and trembling uh, to get where God wants you to be. And it's at that point that Paul feels the need to remind them that in spite of any opposition that they may have, God was not just working in their midst, but God was telling them through the man Paul, I'm a long way from being done with you. So that's why the man of God looks at them and tells them, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. It was His way of saying, God's working in your midst, but there's a reason why God is working in your midst. It's because He wants to do His will in your life. And I've come to cherish the phrase that, that Paul uses when he said that God's at work to will and to do His good pleasure in your life. I, I've come to Mile High tonight, first and foremost, to, to echo Paul's words by telling you that in spite of any compromising chameleons we may have on the outskirts of our movement, I still believe the true Pentecostal core is a strong, vibrant church. And the chief reason that we have retained our ability, our vibrant ability to be strong, is because in the midst of all the compromise and in the midst of all the the opposition we may have. We have been obedient to the word of the Lord what that we have received. And, and you, you, need, you need to understand it's also of the utmost importance tonight that you realize whether you be saint or whether you be a minister that the God that works among us is not just here to entertain us tonight. He's here to put us in a position that He can do in our lives the things that God wants to do. The God God that is in our midst tonight is here to will and to do His good pleasure in your world. Now you might as well settle it in your heart before I go much farther tonight that I've come to this pulpit to propel, to propagate, and to promote the will of God in your lives. I've come to remind every hungry-hearted child of God that's in this house tonight that regardless of what you feel or regardless of where you think you are, God does know where you are. And God does know what lies within you. And God does know what He could accomplish in your life. God's got a will for your life. He has not saved you to vegetate on a pew forever. He has not blessed you with a good mind to sit there idle indefinitely. He has not invested potential in your ministry to sit there useless and unfulfilled. I've come to tell you tonight that God's got a will for you. Now, bear with me for just a minute here. I, I, I hesitate to give to the end of this feeling that I've got to qualify what I'm going to say tonight. So I'm going to tell you that I am not preaching to this entire congregation. I know that. God told me that before I came here. But within a very specific group of people in this place tonight, there are some of you that are not just wanting to be in the church. You're wanting to be in His will. You don't just want to talk in tongues and, and be baptized in His name. You want to know where does God plug me in to the kingdom? Where does God get glory out of my life? You see, I'm trying to tell you that it's in 
that true. Most everybody wants to know that they are in the perfect will of God. In that group, there's an overwhelming desire to know that they have found the will of God. Not so they can say, I'm a pastor. Not so they can say, I'm an evangelist. Or I'm a preacher. Not so they can say, I'm the choir director now. Not so they can say, I'm the music director. Not so they can tack some title or some supposed authority on their name. I don't mind telling you, if that's all you're looking for, you're not even saved, much less in line to be used of God. Can I just give you a little side note tonight? In God's economy, gifts never equals government. And I want to tell this congregation tonight that God has a mentality and God's got a plan. God wants to use people, but God does not work in the realm of positions. And God does not work in the realm of titles. God said, if you're going to be using me, you've got to minister unto me. You've got to minister unto the lost. You've got to give your I'm not preaching to everybody tonight, but I am preaching to that group. I'm preaching to them tonight for some very valid reasons. I can point you to the word of the Lord tonight. And I can tell you that I've searched the word of the Lord. And I know according to the Bible, there's comfort that comes only when you know you're in the will of God. There's completeness that only comes with knowing that you're in the will of God. That's why God said in the book of Colossians that you may stand perfectly complete in the will of God. There's longevity that comes with being in His will. Surely you remember the verse that says, And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God is going to abide forever. Who is there among us? Who is there that sits in these pews tonight that is sincere before God? that is honest with integrity before the Almighty, that sits there that doesn't want to know that I'm walking in the comfort, in the completeness, in the endurance of living and walking in His will. Yes. And I know. All right. No, All right. I'm not going to reach everybody, but I've got to reach somebody with this message. If anybody can preach what I'm preaching or not, I think I'm a little qualified because there have been key times in my life the story there have been key times thank you there have been key times in my life that I needed God and I needed to know that my next step was going to be ordered by him and there have been times in my life brother pastor Haman there have been times in my life that I could stand with a humble heart and a bold spirit and say I am in the complete will of God I have the will of God at work in my life in fact I've got to tell you today it's more than just some spiritual opportunity afforded to us by God we have a mandate from God to seek his will for our life. I'm going to tell you again if you're comfortable just being in the church you need to get a hold of God and try living in his will if you think you're happy just being in a pew why don't you feel the fulfillment of being in his will What God wants to do in our life is more than just a temporary desire to know the will of God that the Bible charges you with the eternal admonition and be not conformed to the world, 
but be ye transformed by the renewing of the, your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't get so close to the world that you forget God's got a plan for you. Don't let your mind be so conformed to this helter-skelter society that you forget that God's got something planned for you. Don't get so wrapped up in all of this that you forget that God has something to say about the affairs of men. But reality demands that I tell you tonight there are going to be times that you cannot honestly say that you know you are in the perfect will of God. And here's where I've come to find some of you tonight. I can tell you today, the Bible tells us that God is working to will and to do in our lives. But whether you be ministry or whether you be laity, there comes a time that every one of us, please, brother preacher, hear me. Saints, listen to this preacher tonight. Whether you be saint or whether you be preacher, there comes a time in every one of our lives that we stand between the to will and the to do of God. And when you stand in that place, I've got to tell you today, if we are not careful, when we lose our grip on what we thought God was going to do in our world, we also start losing our grip on other things in our world that we better never let go of. Can I just tell you today, I want to set the record straight by telling you today that I realize fully well that I'm really not going to touch everybody in here that is just happy to be in a pew. And I'm well aware, all of you that found a saint to fight fire escape. It's not going to mean a lot to you. But I believe there's somebody in here that's got enough purity in your spirit and you've got enough sincerity in your heart. You said, Brother White, I don't just want to be in the kingdom. I want to be working in the kingdom. I don't want to just be in the church. I want to be used of Him. I don't want to just be called to preach. I want to know. God has positioned me strategically to do what needs to be done. There's people in here tonight. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. Yes. Somebody clap your hands and look right now. I want to know if there's anybody in the building tonight that don't just want to be in the building, you want to be in His will. I want to know if there's somebody in this place tonight you don't want to just be in the church, you want to be in His plan. I've got to do something for God. Surely, surely, surely there's saints here tonight who want to feel valuable to the kingdom. You want to feel significant. One of the greatest pursuits of all mankind is the search for significance. To know that what little I can offer you, God, is going to be significant in the kingdom. Surely there's ministers in here tonight that want the assurance that your willingness to be used is going to be met with a divine purpose. But I'm going to preach to somebody right now that between the to will and the to do in our life, it doesn't matter where you are or what role you've come to fulfill. You need to know that every now and then each one of us stand in a place with our elements staring us in the face and we've got to admit, I don't know the will of God. Why? Some of you folks love Brother White. Thank you. I, I hope I live up to that, that, that trust. But I'm going to tell you today, there's times I don't know. I don't know. I, 
Can I be transparent tonight? Seals, we thank you for being here. I would to God I could put my finger in your ears right now and you couldn't hear what I'm fixing to preach. But Silsby, just bear with me and hear out the conclusion of the message. If I was not a pastor, I would be qualified to preach this tonight because I'm human too. And there have been times in everybody's life when your dreams didn't come to pass and all the things you expected to fall into place didn't fall into place and the revival you expected your church to have just didn't happen like that. And the places you wanted your ministry to go, the door just never seemed to open. There are times in my life that I have to stop and look at where I'm at and look at where I'm going. And I've got to ask myself, maybe there's a greater purpose in my life. I've got to stop every now and then. And Elder Haman, you can, you can, you can counsel me after it's over with and fix me. But there are times I'm still tender enough before God. There are times that I've got to stop and say, maybe I missed the mark and I should have been so much more. Maybe I'm not everything I should be. Hey, brother pastor, act like I'm not talking about you. Let's act like we're talking about all the preachers that aren't here. But every now and then, I have to get sincere before God again and fall on my face and say, maybe God's done with me and seals me. You see, I don't belong to myself. And I've given 16 years of my life to that church. And I love them people enough to die for them. But as much as I love them, I love him more. And all God's got to do is whisper, and I'll go to Brazil. All God's got to do is whisper, and I'll pack my bags and evangelize again. All God's got to do is whisper, and I'll go to a home missionary because I'm bought with a price. I don't belong to myself. Pastor, you're not the only one that ever questions it. You know, the strange thing, Brother Haman, I I don't ever question whether I'm in the will of God when all hell's broke loose in my church. That's why they need me. It's when I don't see a lot of people praying through, Brother Ralph. It's when I go a couple weeks and nobody's been baptized. And all of a sudden, (laughs) that old burning inside of me starts to... It starts to torment me because I want to be. Maybe I'm a million miles away from what I could have been. Hey, brother preacher, maybe I need to evangelize. Maybe God's done with me evangelizing. Have you ever felt that way, brother preacher? Saint of God, have you ever felt that recognition? Let me just be honest. As a pastor, there are scores of decisions I've got to make every day. You heard him talking about the cell phone attached to your pastor's ear. Do you understand? Every day there are scores of decisions that have got to be made and Sometimes I just don't know the will of God. Sometimes problems crop up and there are people sitting weeping in my office and families torn apart and lives being devastated by sin. And Brother White, what's the, what, tell me what to do, Pastor. Have you ever heard it? You tell me what to do and I'll do it. I don't care what it is. And I've got to look at them. And because, Brother Smell, I've got integrity in my own spirit. I can't look at them and say, Thus saith the Lord, if the Lord hasn't said anything. So I'm scratching my head. saying, Oh God, what's your will? I listened to Dr. Seal today talking about the unwritten will of God. There are some things we have already established. The Bible said, This is the will of God that you abstain from fornication. The Bible said, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. But I'm talking about a place beyond those common elements of living for God. I'm talking about a place where righteous saints go. It's a place of frustration and forsakenness. You've got that gut feeling that maybe there are things out there, brother preacher, 
that God has prepared for your ministry and you haven't laid hold of it yet. You're a preacher and you've got to believe that God had more in store for your church than the thing you ended up with today. You've given yourself to God in every way you know, but you don't feel the fulfillment you thought would be there. Your heart is yearning for significance, saint. But your circumstances are telling you you've yet to make a difference in your world. You're seeking for the will of God and you can't find it. You want the will of God, but it's been hidden. You need the will of God, but time, trouble, or God himself has hidden his will from you. I love the times that I know I'm in the will of God. I love those times. When I know I'm in the will of God, I can square my shoulders back. And I can say, this is what God says. You know, there's a boldness that comes with that. That's why Paul could write. And he could square his shoulders back. In First and Second Corinthians, Ephesians, Colossians, 2 Timothy. They all start with the same declaration. A bold declaration by the Apostle Paul. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Under the church with all the saints. I know I'm in the will of God. There's a boldness that comes with knowing you're in the will of God. But you listen to me very carefully tonight. I've come tonight to preach to you that just as surely as there's a boldness that comes with knowing you're in the perfect will of God. There is a desperate and a deadly confusion that tries to find it into its way into your world when the will of God seems to be hidden from a sincere person's eyes. That's why everybody that's really tender, they want the will of God today. One of the speakers of this conference came up behind me and hugged me and said, Brother White, preach to me today because i got some things in my world that I need to know the will of God for. Preach to me. Before that pastor came to me, I had five other people in this conference come up and say, Brother White, would you just whisper a prayer for me because I want to be in the will of God. I'm seeking the will of God. I'm telling you in this own conference, five of them who have found themselves frustrated and tormented by failing faith because what they thought would happen hasn't. What they dreamed would come to pass has not. What they hoped would be God's time frame wasn't. What they planned just didn't fall into place. I'm not talking about bad saints. I'm talking about good saints. I'm not talking about fickle preachers. I'm talking about godly preachers. I'm not talking about indifferent pastors. I'm talking about righteous hearts. That leads me to the core of what I've got to tell this congregation tonight. What do you do when the will of God seems hidden from you? What do you say? How are you supposed to act when it seems like God shut his mouth and you have no direction? I want to tell you if you've ever been in that place, you're in pretty good company as far as the Bible's concerned. Can I just preach to you a little bit here tonight? In fact, the Bible reveals life after life after life of those that had a sincere heart but a confused mind because the will of God for some element in their life seemed to be hidden for a season. I've come tonight to tell this congregation that there's a danger that comes to the church when we don't know for sure what the will of God is. You always know the will of God, good God in heaven, no. But that's why I've come to preach to you tonight. Can I just tell you a little something tonight? Lift your hands up and pray for just a minute. Hallelujah. Just days before I arrived here, I was talking to a precious couple. 
who were trapped in the ministry. They were trapped under a thick cloud of spiritual confusion and void. And as I was talking to them, I listened to this man tell me, Brother White, it just don't make sense anymore. I think maybe I need to get out of the ministry. I don't know something. I know God called him. I know his life. He said, but Brother White, nothing happened the way that I thought it was going to happen. I think maybe it would be better for me, Brother White, if I just laid it down and went on and did something else because I'm just not fulfilled. I'm so spiritually void right now. And I left them that day after I talked to them, told them that we would go into a season of prayer. As I went into that season of prayer, I began to seek the face of God because I saw grave spiritual mistakes that they were on the verge of making. Knowing in my heart the confusion in their mind, I turned to God in prayer. But the Lord began to deal with me about a man named Abraham. And God began to speak to me about this man. Listen very carefully to what God began to deal with me. Later called Abraham. God came to him when he was 75 years old. And he said, get thee out of thy country. And from thy kindred. And from thy father's house. Unto a land that I will show thee. He didn't, I'm not going to tell you what it is now. I just need you to get up. I'll do something great for you, but you got to get up and you got to walk, Abraham. Get up. Just get up and walk, Abraham. And with that, Abraham got up and walked away from everything he'd ever known. But what you need to see is that God told him, you just leave here and walk. And I'll tell you later what I want. I'll tell you later what my plan is. I'll tell you later what I've got destined for you. Abraham, you just get up and walk. He didn't know where to go. He didn't know what to expect. Things weren't happening like he planned. All he knew was that God said to get out of the earth of the Chaldees. Just walk, Abraham. And someday I'll tell you where to stop. Everybody say, walk, Abraham. Just walk, Abraham. And I'll give you a land for an inheritance. Walk, Abraham. And I'll make you a nation. Watch over the next several years and you see him. Go down to Canaan then back to Egypt. And all of a sudden he comes back. Something changes in his world. <coughs> he finds a place where he gets a little too comfortable. And the Bible said that he kind of sits there and, because God never told him his will. Listen to me. God told him to walk. What am I supposed to be, God? Where am I supposed to go, God? What am I supposed to be doing? What about the things you promised? How am I going to know that I'm in the place you want me to be, God? I wonder how confused Abraham got. I wonder if Abraham ever wanted to quit. I wonder how many times he found himself frustrated. He didn't know God's complete will. And God refused to tell Abraham, Brother Ralph, how it was all going to come to pass. And finally, not knowing the perfect will of God, Abraham turns 90 years old. Fifteen years later, after God tells him, get up and walk over boy, he gets up in God's face and he said, God, I'm 90 years old now. And God, I've walked 15 years from the land of the earth, the Chaldees. I say, I'm telling you today, God, I don't understand how I'm in this position. I've got to know your will. Listen, listen, listen. He said, I've been betrayed, confused by Lot. I've been embarrassed. And shamed in front of Pharaoh. You don't understand. I made mistakes with Hagar. I'm going to live with for the rest of my stinking life. All because I didn't know your will was hidden. God, I need to know what to do when I can't find your will. Would to God I had somebody with me right now. I need to know what to do, God, 
when I'm not seeing what I want to see. I need to know. But then God says something so unusual, it's almost absurd. Abraham's been walking for 15 years with God. And God, Abraham said, God, I want to know what you want. But God looks at him and said, Abraham, the day that I called you, I told you to walk from the earth of the Chaldees. Now get up and walk before me, Abraham. My ways are still the same. You may not know my will, but my ways haven't changed. You're comfortable. You like where you are. You want to know where the will of God is? Get up, Abraham, and walk before me. You know what he said? He said, I'm the Almighty God. Walk. Those are my ways. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Walk before thee and I'll make covenant between thee and me. Abraham, I'm going to tell some Abraham in this building tonight, when you really don't know his will, you've got to remember his ways and realize that it's his ways that are going to lead you to his will. And if you've lost track of the will of God in your life, I beg you tonight, don't get confused. Don't let go of his ways. Hey God, I don't know his will, but I know the way. Abraham, you need to understand, you've got comfortable right there. I talked to this couple that I was talking about. I went back and told them what God said. You know what? God spoke to me about this couple. They were saying, I want to know. They quit loving God. They didn't quit loving God. They just quit working for God. And God spoke to me. And he said, I told God. I told him, Brother Ballesteros, God, if there's a reason why you can't tell them, just tell me what your will is. And I'll put it in their ear. And I'll tell them what you desire. And God spoke to me and said, they want what I can't give them. They want to know what my will is. But only my ways are going to lead them back to my will. And I've come tonight to preach to somebody in here. You may be confused now. You may be frustrated now. But don't let go of His ways. Without any hesitation tonight, I can tell you there's a lot of frustrated people in God's kingdom. There's a lot of frustrated people here tonight. But because you want to know His will in certain areas, I've got to tell somebody in this place, when you don't know His will, you do know His ways. And His ways are the only thing that's ever going to lead you back to His will. If you let go of His ways, you're never going to have it. You're never going to find it. You've got to hang on to His ways because only His ways will lead you back to His will. How do you know, Brother White? Because verses later, after God said, Get up, son. Get back in my ways. The Bible said he went to a place where God spoke to him and said, Hey, Abe, you see the stars up there? That's going to be your seed. And everywhere you put your feet, I'm fixing to give you that for an inheritance. Hey, I want to tell you, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Princes are going to come. I'm going to tell you, Abraham marched back into covenant when he finally said, God, I may not know your will, but I know your ways. 
Every preacher in this place needs to hear me. Abraham finally reached the place. He said, I don't know his will, but I do know his ways. And I'm going to keep walking until he gives me an inheritance. I'm going to keep walking until he blesses my children after me. I'm going to keep in his ways until he'll bless me among the heathen. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep motivated. I'm going to keep doing what I know to do. I may not know his will, but I know his ways. And I've come, as strange as it is for Brother White, I've come to this place tonight feeling the weight of somebody's spirit that's questioning your ministry. You're questioning... Do I need to resign my church? Do I need to leave? Do I need to come off the evangelistic field? Do I, what do I need to do? Where do I need? I don't know what's going on. I've come to tell you there's a danger in being in that place because far too many people that lose the will of God gradually let go of the ways of God. It happened to Abraham and Abraham was the friend of God and I've come to plead with this congregation tonight don't allow the confusion of what you don't understand to push your heart away from the passion of the things you do understand. Can I preach just a few more minutes here? Tell you what I'm talking about. You may not know everything God wants out of your life right now, but you do know that God wants worship out of every life. I don't know where I plug in, Brother White. I don't know where to fit. Do I? Am I a Sunday school teacher? Am I an evangelist? Am I a missionary? Hey, I want to tell you, if you don't know any of that, I'll tell you what you do know. He inhabits the praise of His people. Hey, child of God. Hey, usher. Hey, Sunday school director. Hey, brother preacher. Shame on you if you ever come into the house of God and you fail to be the first one on your feet worshiping God. I've come to tell somebody your lack of direction is no excuse for a lack of worship. You know what happens to saints? And brother preacher, you might as well admit we rip their high over coming to church and not worshiping. You know what happens to them? I was being blessed and everything was going fine. And all of a sudden the devil kicked my legs out from under me. And I don't know what happened. And I don't know where the blessings went. And I don't know where I went. And they sat down and they quit worshiping. Because when they got out of his will, they let go of his ways. And I've come to tell somebody tonight, you've got to get something in your heart that said if God never speaks an audible word, if I never see a sign from heaven, I've got to worship.
pastor, I can worship. Honey, when you're a pastor, there's a lot of things you don't understand. But it's not going to stop my worship. I'm going to praise Him anyway. And it matters not to me. If you're saying a preacher, shame on you. If you have so little worship, people think you're backslid or far away. You ought to be on your feet saying, I may not know what God wants today, but I know what He wants always. The will is lost by the way. of Obed-Edom. But you got to understand Edom was the ancestor. And Edom made his folks upset because he married him a sister. He got him a black lady. A couple of them. And he had him a black family. And all of a sudden David said, I notice the house of Obed-Edom is blessed. And everything they put their hand to is blessed. I'm going to tell you where David learned how to worship. He watched some African Americans, if you will, dance and shout and shake somebody's hand and say the wheel may be lost but the way I know
All right. Be seated. Be seated. No, I'm sorry. You do whatever you want to do right now. The Holy Ghost is in the aisles of this place. Anybody in here still up, Brother White, tonight? Well, hang on. I may change your mind. Let me tell you what I know about His will and His ways. You may not know why God hasn't put revival in your church yet, but you do know that God put holiness in His church. Listen, listen, listen. I'm here to plead with somebody tonight. I don't know why God hasn't sent the revival your church or ministry needed. But all too often, when men don't see what they want to see, they think laying down holiness is the answer to get them what they want. Brother Ballestero read a scripture up here the other day. Talking about Israel. I want to tell you what. Brother Ballestero told us. He said, he probably didn't even catch it because he didn't know what I was going to preach. But my God, I was praying, Lord, don't let him mess my message up. Please, God, don't let him mess it up. He said, Israel, you got the right covenant. You got the right God. You got the right potential. You got the right one, baby. But I'll tell you what, Israel, none of that's going to matter if you fail to walk in my ways. Israel, I stood with you. Israel, I led you out with a high and mighty hand. But you've got to walk in my... None of this works if we stop walking in His ways. Okay. Brother Spell, you know me. I'm not pessimistic. I'm not negative. But I'm going to tell you something. <clears throat> There's a weary warrior in this pulpit tonight. I'm concerned when I see those who lose their grip on God's will start tuning loose of God's ways. It concerns me when I walk the Pentecostal, apostolic, one God, Jesus name pulpits and I feel pressure to perform instead of preach. When I feel pressure to entertain instead of inspire. I've come to tell this church today, I am so sick of them wanting some kind of a novelty. I am so weary of saying I've got to come up with something to get them to decide. You may not know His will, but you know His ways. concerns me but I these men want me to preach so I'm going to preach now if you don't like it take it up with them it it concerns me when I sit in powerless services and they try to make up with entertainment what they lack in divine direction they wouldn't know the will of God if it tap danced a tattoo on their forehead so they come in there and they play their music and they sing their pretty song and they got their little praise dancers and they got I've come to tell somebody today it concerns me when we can leave a mile high conference and we gauge how good it was by its entertainment value somebody needs to know tonight that our strength has never been in our entertainment it's always been in our message 
Our power is not in our talents. It's in the message of this apostolic one God doctrine. That's why it scares me. That's why it scares me to death to see apostolic preachers trying to hook up with Trinitarian fellowships. That's why it scares me when I've met apostolic evangelists that want to imply we're going to meet other messengers in glory. Can I preach just a minute? Somebody asked me a few weeks ago, my God, we've got... Be seated. Thank you. I've talked to pastors who claim to be what we are that say I've come to believe that maybe we're not the only ones that's going to make it. Maybe there's others. I'm going to tell you something. I had somebody ask me a question a few days ago. I am not the sharpest pencil in the box. But they asked me something. And my cranial cavity kicked into overdrive. They said, Brother White, do you think a man has to understand oneness to make it to heaven? And my reply was this. Let's not talk about the things I don't know. Let's talk about the things I do know. You may not have to quote every oneness scripture in your Bible, but you cannot promote a lie and be saved. And the Trinity is a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. Do you still believe it's the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley, the lion of the tribe of Judah and the Lamb of God? Pentecost, we don't need entertainment. We need the message. You'll never find the power of Pentecost in entertainment. You're going to find it in the message. I can't explain why the church ain't having revival. But I can tell you this much. The will may be lost. But the way, my brother, I know all about that. There's one God. There's His... There's a God whose name is Jesus. You've got to be baptized in His name. You've got to know that when you receive the Holy Ghost, you're going to speak. You may not know His will, but so help me God, you know His ways. And as much as I hate to admit it, the lack of power in our services is being revealed by the compromised lives of powerless Pentecostals. Again, my past ministry speaks for my great love I have for this church, this conference, and this message. But i got to tell you, I remember a time when I was surprised by cosmetic-covered apostolics. I remember a time when it was still shocking to see tongue-talkers in tank tops. It's okay. You don't have to amen me. You may not know His will, but I know His ways. I recall a time when it was unusual to see Pentecostal purity turned into a jewelry display. It breaks my heart, but I remember a time that somebody that committed adultery in my church couldn't go across town and sing in the neighbor's choir. <laughs> Can you remember when you were shocked to see saints with see-through clothes? It's been too long since my soul was taken back 
when I heard of apostolic preachers sitting in professional ball games. There was a day they used to shake me up, but I'm used to hearing it now. Why doesn't it shock me anymore when young boys come wanting to date my young girls and before my girls can get out of the driveway, they have to say, where are we going? I'm not going to the movies with your youth group. I'm not going to a theater. I'm trying to tell you what has happened to us. I'll tell you what it is. They lost his will. Now they're letting go of his ways. convinced they may want revival they may want a move of God I told you you've never heard Pastor White preach like this my folks have <laughs> my, you want me to preach like I'm at home I'm preaching like I'm at home tonight see I still preach against all those things I normally don't do it at a conference God help us tonight but I'm going to tell you if you think compromising this message is the way to get revival in your church you need to remember you may have lost his will but his ways are still holy that's why the Bible said the way of the Lord is strength to the upright the way is our strength I know you got a better way you just got to explain him. Scripture says, delight yourself in his ways. He'll give you the desires of your heart. The will may be lost, but the ways, the ways, I know. Lift your hands up and love God right now in this house. Pray, pray. Holiness is still His ways. Oneness is still His ways. Baptism in Jesus' name is still His ways. And the will may be lost, but the ways we know. I hasten tonight to a close, but i got to preach something here tonight. I don't know why God hasn't anointed the work of your hands, brother preacher, but I do know God wants your hands to be reaching for the lost. Oh, yeah, God, anoint my hands. Anoint me, God, I want to be used of you. But I'm going to tell you, God doesn't need to anoint hands that aren't reaching for the lost. He doesn't need to do it. He don't need to do it. I'm going to tell somebody in here, the will may be hidden in your life, but the way you know. And I can tell you why some people struggle to find God's will. They have forgotten His will. So now they're losing their grip on His ways. So they don't reach for souls anymore. And what scares me to death is how little effort we really do make to reach the lost. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. You've never heard me preach this way, and I've got news for you. You probably never hear me preach this way again. Not because I don't want to ever be accused of taking advantage of a man's pulpit. But I've got to tell somebody, please, you may not know his will tonight, but so help me God, we know his way.
lift your praises to him right now. Bear with me. The Holy Ghost has settled on this place. And I'm not sure yet that the gifts of the Spirit are through. But I've got to tell you before I close, we may not know His will, but we know His way. And His way is reaching the lost. I want to say this tonight. The sad part is that when it comes to reaching for the lost, so many times we've been handicapped. Not by the sinners, Brother Palestero. Not by the saints. I fear we've become handicapped by our own brethren. Watch me, watch me. According to Greek history, Greek mythology, excuse me, there was a man named Procrustes. His claim to fame had nothing to do with any great feat that he had ever done. It had nothing to do with any great ability. In fact, his only claim to fame was that Procrustes had what he called a magic bed. And Procrustes had a magic bed. And according to mythology, he lived on the only road that led from one place to another. To make it simple, it didn't matter where you were at. If you were ever going to get from where you were to where you wanted to be, you had to go by Procrustes' place. And as you passed by, he would come out. He would sashay around and he would tell you, I've got a meal for you prepared. And I've got a special bed, a magic bed you can lay on. And if you lay on this bed, you'll rest like never before. Please bear with me. What they didn't realize is that when Procrustes would bring them into his house, he was so arrogant. He felt like he was the prime specimen of perfection. And had no tolerance for anything that wasn't identical to him. So when they would lay on his magic bed, he would fall upon them and tie him up. And anything such as an arm or a leg or a head that was, was, would hang over the edges revealing that they were larger than Procrustes. It would quickly be lopped off by the sword of Procrustes. And anything that didn't fill the bed, if they were too short, if their legs didn't reach the bottom or their arms didn't reach the side, they would take them and stretch them and rip them out of joint to fit into his bed I want somebody to hear me tonight when I tell you that Procrustes has moved out of Greek mythology and into the Pentecostal movement it's the spirit of Procrustes that makes it easy for certain preachers to cut other preachers apart or or rip them out of their place in the body and I want to tell you what frustrates me so much it makes all of us nervous because we know we're not going to be judged by our strengths brother Ballestero but we're going to be judged by the place that they're comfortable in we're going to be judged by the bed of men that are comfortable where they are but I've come to plead with some preacher with some outreach director with somebody in this house tonight brother evangelist hear me well don't let them judge you by their own comfort. Procrusty didn't judge them by the strength wherewith they made the journey nor the determination that they reached for their destination. He didn't judge them by the passion they had to get where they were supposed to be. He judged them by his own arena of comfort. My brothers and my sisters, I had friends turn against me when I started preaching meetings like Mile High because all of a sudden... I didn't fit in their little comfortable world. I'm going to say this as nice as I know how. Do you understand 
that when certain doors opened for me, certain friendships closed. I had friends that loved me dearly, Brother Story. As long as I was running 50 people and had a church full of hell every time I went there, I didn't fit into that place that they were comfortable in anymore because I was reaching for the lost and I was trying to make a revival happen in my church. So they began to cut away at my church and cut away at my ministry and go, oh, oh, oh. but listen to me today, God help us if we allow the potential that God placed in us to be hindered and imprisoned by the fear of procrustes man. For the sake of souls around us, we had better stand up over our fear of procrustes. Lest we forget our commission is not to fit into a Pentecostal Procrustes bed. The great commission is to reach the world. Make a difference in the soul. I see souls sitting here tonight. I see souls sitting around the sanctuary. We were called to make a difference. And please, I've got to be careful what I say next. I am not talking about sacrificing our Pentecostal position, Elder Haman. We don't have to. I'm going to say it as nice as I know how. I don't care how many votes they take. I still don't believe we got to go on television to reach the world I don't care if they ever invite me to another meeting I've come to tell you I know a little bit about TV media I sat with a producer a few weeks ago and I told him that there was a debate and he said brother white the problem is you cannot have a successful TV show without a star and I was smitten in my heart because We've got Tim Spells, and we've got Jerry Rouse, and we've got men that could stand up and preach and become famous. But when we become the star, he ceases to become the star. And he is the main attraction of the church. Why don't you lift your hands and love him right now? But having said that, my brethren, we better serve Him. And we better present this gospel to the lost of this world with the beauty and the brilliance that He deserves. Something's wrong when we come in and we've made more effort to fix our hair than we have to pray for a soul in that service. You listen to me. Listen to me. My brethren, we better present this gospel with a beauty and a dignity. We better understand that it doesn't make us less Pentecostal to go beyond Procrustes' bed and stand up in this world and make a difference. I've talked to men who wanted to start bus ministries, but their friends said, you can't. I don't believe in bus ministries. Because they didn't believe in bus ministries. They said, we can't do that. We're not going to do that because they don't believe in it. And i got to have their fellowship. Honey, if the man never fellowships you, your city's going to be lost. But Haman, you're so classy. I love you, buddy. I have looked. Everybody in my church, we've got overheads at our place and... Disfellowship me if you will. But everybody from my church has talked this week, Brother Spell, about how nice this is. And how, but I preached a conference a few months ago and one of the sponsors backed out and made a big mess 
He wasn't going to come to a church that had a, a, his word, a sinful projector hanging on the ceiling. He said, if they want to know the words to the song, I've got one of those little overhead projectors. Oh, I wonder if you really want me to preach. I've preached in churches that refuse praise singers and music like you've had in this conference. They don't want it. They don't like it. Because they've got friends that preach against drums. Or they've got friends that don't like... They, so they don't want praise singers. And they don't want... To, you want to know what the problem is? You have taken away the effect of being able to say, We don't have to hide behind anybody. We've got talent. We've got... I would to God somebody would clap your hands and love Him now. How serious does it get? I'll tell you how serious it gets. Somebody in this meeting, stand up, Tracy and Daniel. It's one of the finest couples you're ever going to meet in this life, disowned by his own family because he came to this apostolic truth. I had some folks here ask him, what kind of ministries are you involved in? And I hate to think we have to feel this way, Brother Kelly. But they said, oh, we work in Sunday school and we work in this. And then they said it. They said, we've got a puppet ministry that we're really involved in. I thought, oh, God, don't say the puppet thing. Because there's men that preach against that. I would to God that I could tell them that these guys have preached to the State Baptist Convention. That these guys have gone to the Church of God in Christ regional conferences and have had invitations. They've been in every in every school in my school district. The principal let them out of school. The kids that were involved let them out of school, and they sung one God songs. And we prayed people through on a. You may not believe in it, but I'm sorry. I'm not gonna lay down on Procrustes' bed. No, I'm not making light of anybody's convictions. But I've got to tell you, I'm not going to lay down on Procrustes bed at the expense of the souls in my city. Is this all right? Oh, my brethren, I'm not making light of anybody's convictions. But I'm pleading with you, don't you get caught in Procrustes bed. The imitating bed of Procrustes is in Pentecost. But there was no greater intimidator in all scripture than a woman named Jezebel. But I charge you to not to know, brother pastor. Brother preacher, I charge you to not to remember. God said, not only do I hate Jezebel, but I'm going to tell you, when I get done judging her, I'm going to judge everybody that laid in her bed. I'm not compromising. I'm keeping my fellowship. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost so strong. Would you just lift your hands up and pray with me? I'm trying. I'm trying so hard to close. I'm trying. I'm trying.
He was frustrated by his lack of ministry. Young man in my church. He started more ministries in my church than anybody else that I have. He was frustrated. It wasn't coming together. So I was sitting in the office with him and his wife, and I watched their hearts breaking. And he began to tell me, Brother White, I'm just not going to do anything for a while. Brother White, I'm going to back out of this ministry and that ministry, and I'm just going to quit it all, Brother White. But why? He said, you don't understand, Brother White. We thought we'd be evangelizing by now. We thought, you just don't understand. And the sad part, this one dynamic couple, when they lost their direction in God, they lost their passion for the things they also knew. And I could feel their pain, and I could feel their heartbeat. And that man looked me in the eye and he said, Brother White, I still love God, and I still love the ministry, and I still love the kingdom. But Brother White, when God's not talking to me, and when things aren't coming together, what else can I do? And God whispered in a pastor's ear, and I looked him in the eye, and I said, My brother, the Lord would bid me ask you a question tonight. If you knew your ministry would never leave this church, would you still love the lost like He wants you to? And if you knew you would never preach the conferences that I've had to preach, would you, Daniel, they want me to preach like I'm home, son. And if you never step out from under my ministry, I want to know tonight, Tracy, would you still love His ways? when you didn't know his will. And the boy said, I just don't know what happened. And I said, I'll tell you what happened, Brother Haman. I'll tell you what happened. You lost his will. And you let go of his ways. But the man that God called, I heard you crawl in the prayer room, Brother Ballestero, and say, God, if I never preach, let me win a soul. If I never stand before a congregation, let me make a difference in the lost. Son, you want to know where the will of God went? That's where the will of God went. You lost His will. And you let go. Stand to your feet right now and lift your praises to Him. Brother White, you really think it's all that important? I'll tell you what's going to happen. We're going to stand before God. We're going to stand before God. We're going to stand before Him and say, God, I paid my tithes. And I came to church. And I worshiped with Brother Spell. And I did all of those things. So I'm standing here, but God's going to remind us that we're not spotless. I don't understand God I don't understand God I didn't lay in Procrustes man God's going to look us in the eyes and he's going to say it's not your blood because you were so busy protecting your own blood that you've got the blood of souls on you 
Can we really say, like Paul said, I'm pure of the blood of all men? I'm preaching to young preachers in here tonight. I'm preaching to evangelists in here tonight. I'm preaching to pastors in here tonight. I'm preaching to saints in here tonight. My question is this. If you knew you'd never leave this church, if you knew you'd never preach a mile high, would you still crawl to an altar and say, God, my sins are lost.